Hello and welcome to the Daily Booktopian for Tuesday, April 28th. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about reading in the time of isolation and social distancing. Joining me today are Head of Trade Books for Booktopia, Joe Lewin. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mark. And we're also joined by Category Manager for Fiction, Ben Hunter. How are you, Ben? I'm good, Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. I'm fine. It's <laughs> good to uh, know. So let's get stuck into it. Um, Ben, what have you brought along for us today? Well, in terms of books, um, I'm I'm deep into a book called Rodham uh, by Curtis Sittenfeld. It's a um, a new novel that imagines a kind of alternate modern history where Hillary Rodham does not agree to marry Bill Clinton um, back in the 70s. Uh, and it sort of sets off a different course of American and, by extension, world history. Um, it's it's a kind of interesting uh, political slash feminist uh, sort of uh, take. Kind of uh, what would you say? Um, a like a, a a different reality, um, which is kind of doing my head in. Um, so I'm, I'm deep inside that, and I'm, I'm I think I'm kind of liking it I, I hated it at first but now I'm, I'm liking it what were you hating about Ben? oh that's a that's a good question um uh I I hated that during her youth um in the sort of first section of the book it was just obsessed with Bill and Bill was just this larger than life kind of caricature of himself um you know there's uh, I don't want to spoil too much but there's a scene where he's nude with a saxophone um, <laughs> uh, and that, that's funny and great but um you know I, I kind of expected this to be a kind of a, a feminist book that's like about uh this midwestern really intelligent woman um and it's that thing that people often talk about in cinema where uh men just take up all the screen time and when there are no men on in the shot, the women are just asking where the men are. Yeah. Um, and it just felt a bit like that. I was like, why is this so, obs- it's just so obsessed. But I, I guess I guess the author is trying to be true to um, reality where, you know, Hillary did fall in love with Bill and Bill is this really larger than life, you know, uh, really intelligent Southern saxophone playing um, sex maniac. Uh, so he, he steals the show, um, yeah. but it, it's evolved from there and it's, it's, you know, a, a lot, and a lot more nuance has come into the, to the Clinton character as well. You know, mm. you, you see, you see this, um, caricature of him, but you also see a kind of, uh, kind of like self-loathing and then like a, a, a kind of like a, um, y- you get this, um, contradiction between, himself as like uh like just wanting to use women all the time but also being a human rights advocate and an advocate for intelligent women to do their thing and an advocate for hillary um so there's a conflict there that's really interesting as well yeah does it have um does it feel like when you read it does it feel like a, a realistic take on an alternate history or does it get pushed kind of into into extreme realms what, what do you reckon no it's it's super 
it's super real, like hyper real, um, almost. Um, like it it makes the cheesiness of the West Wing look like just over the top. It's like really close and really well researched. Like I feel like I need a, to be kind of a, a, more of a political scholar to understand what's going on. But it's yeah, it's 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 really sharp in that sense. And, and this may be a spoilerific question, so feel free to to refuse to answer if if it does indeed spoil. But uh, w- at what point in history does the book kind of go up to? Does it come up to today, or or does it kind of end earlier? Oh, look, I believe it will. I'm 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 a little bit past halfway, and it's at a really interesting point where it is 2015, uh, and Hillary Rodham is uh, making the big decision to run in the 2016 presidential campaign. Awesome. And is she running against Trump or is that too much of a spoiler? I'm not going to get into that. Okay, cool. Oh, I really, <laughs> I really want to read that. Great recommendation, Ben. Um, what about you, Joe? What have you brought along for us today? Okay, um, so Ben just made himself sound really smart because he's reading like a really smart, intelligent, political book. Um, I'm reading a book about a cat. In Tokyo. (laughs) Um, It's called The Cat and the City, and it's by Nick Bradley. Um, So I was a little bit worried about this book. I was a little bit concerned because it's set in Japan. There's a little bit of magic in it. It focuses on a cat. I was like, is this just some non-Japanese person trying to write a Murakami? (laughs) Um, So that was concern number one. Concern number two is that it's lots and lots of stories that are um, interwoven and anyone who knows me will know that I get a little bit frustrated with that uh, that way of writing a book because I feel like often it's a lazy way of like when you've got two intertwined narratives, it's like, well, you just had two books and you couldn't figure out which one to write and so you've tried to push them together and sometimes it can be a little bit clumsy. Um, this one is not like that. I'm actually really pleasantly surprised um, at how elegantly all of the characters kind of intertwine and are hinted at throughout the stories and how um, this mysterious calico cat um, just saunters through each one of these tales and uh, has a little, you know, puts his little paw print on um, the events that are happening. It's it's really fascinating. Look, I'm not going to say that Nick Bradley has never read a Murakami novel in his life, he most definitely has. Um, and he's also most definitely read um, a whole lot of the, the Japanese classics um, like Mishima and, um, and those kinds of authors because it very heavily references um, Japanese literature, which I also love. So, you know, Japanese literature, cute kitty cats, it's kind of got everything for me. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 a real, it's a real page turner. I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. So you'd recommend it for um, people who are fans of Murakami? Definitely, definitely. People who are fans of Murakami, people who are fans of, you know, Japan and maybe are missing out on their trip to Japan this year. It's very evocative of the place. It's very evocative of the Japanese experience, but also the um, the um, the immigrant experience in Japan because the author, um, Nick Bradley, lived in Japan as an Englishman Um many years and and you know that's a very you know my understanding is that's a very unique experience um so it's it 
references that. Um, I found, I'm finding it really interesting. That sounds fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that one with us, Joe. Um, we also like to jump uh, into talking about the things that are bringing us joy in isolation uh, on this podcast. What's brought you guys joy this week? Well, I'm currently patting my cat now that uh, Joe's has talked about this beautiful cat book. So number one is my cat, Lola. Um, I've also been getting into a lot of musical stuff. Um, there's so much musical brilliance happening in isolation. Um, uh, there's there's a, a really cool thing that started on Instagram, like as soon as the lockdown started. It's called Isol Aid. It's in like a, an aid festival, Isol Aid. Um, and all these different artists... Um, have been doing Instagram live performances um, every weekend uh, since lockdown started. Uh, and it's all to raise money for Support Act, which is a charity that supports um, mental health for people in music and the arts, uh, as well as um, people who are out of a job. So it's not just uh, the artists themselves that are not making any money right now. It's all the stage crews. It's all the venues themselves. Um, so there's a whole industry of people that are pretty much destitute right now. And this is a really cool thing, um, which is really intimate. Uh, you see so much so much cool music um, and you just kind of donate what you would pay to go to a gig on the weekend. Um, so that's a really cool initiative. That's awesome. What have you seen um, that you've really loved, uh, Ben? Ooh, um, one of my favourite musicians is a New Zealand lady who heads up a band called Tiny Ruins, and she did a wonderful performance. Um, Courtney Barnett's been on there. A whole stack of people have been on there. Mm. Awesome. I, I watched that there was something similar on on the weekend uh, called Play On Fest, uh, which was also um, fundraising, and they had some um, really big bands that they were streaming over the weekend, and I got to catch the War on Drugs on that on that stream. And they're like my favorite band of all time, so that was really really exciting. Oh, I love war on drugs. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, some really, it's been really interesting to see the way um, lots of different businesses have kind of taken this as an opportunity to do things differently. And I know it's, you know, really, really tough on musicians right now, um, you know, trying to, to keep things going especially if uh, being a musician is their primary, um, their primary job. Uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to um, it's very hard to make any money because we know that all um, all musicians these days make their money primarily out of gigs and merch. So you know, well and truly behind anything that people are doing like this, and and everybody go out and buy um and buy a t-shirt, buy a t-shirt. You everyone's wearing uh track pants and uh, t-shirts. So if you can buy a band t-shirt, then you're keeping um keeping your favourite musicians fed and housed, I think it's a good thing to do. I mean, when you finish buying all of the books, of course, because we also like being uh, housed and fed here at Booktopia. What about you, Joe? What's been bringing you joy? Well, look, at first it was bringing me joy and now I kind of feel like I have two jobs. One of those jobs is obviously uh, working at Booktopia and my second and some may say more important job right now is um, keeping up with all of the television that I'm watching. Mm. Uh, I've gotten myself hooked into so many 
different shows right now that um, there's just not enough hours in the day. So yeah, we were um, talking about uh, Lego Masters last time we yeah, spoke. Lego you and Masters. your son are, are deep into that. Yeah, we are deep into that. So that's four days a week um, that oh, I'm, wow. committed, I'm committed to watching Lego Masters from 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. Um, so, you know, that's, that's obviously something that's really fun and something the whole family enjoys. Um, but then we're also watching MasterChef, and it's really interesting to watch how, like, they're going head-to-head for ratings right now, like, they're on at exactly the same time. So as soon as I finish work, I have to dash downstairs and watch last night's MasterChef on catch-up so that I'm finished watching that by the time Lego Masters comes on, right? So literally as soon as I finish work, I'm watching TV nonstop until bedtime. Oh, that's a um, hard job. It's really, it's really taking its toll, I've got to say. So, like, some people commit to doing things like, you know, going back to uni part-time or learning some kind of skill, um, getting a new pet. But I feel like I've really taken on um, watching television as a vocation in this time. Well, you did mention last time when you spoke about Lego Masters that your son had been very inspired by that and was building all sorts of awesome stuff. Have you been inspired yourself by either Lego Masters or MasterChef to get creative? Oh, MasterChef, definitely. I mean, when I'm not uh, when I'm not watching television or cooking, actually, sometimes while I am watching television, I'm cooking. I'm cooking a lot. Um, so yeah, no, I've been I've been cooking my little heart out. Um, I can't believe. So when I, I haven't watched MasterChef for years and years, right? And when I first started watching MasterChef, the big thing on MasterChef was the sous vide, which um, is like you know when you vacuum pack meat or whatever in um, plastic and then you cook it on a really low heat in a bath so it basically turns into grey sludge. Um, so everything was done on the sous vide. This time everything is done on the hibachi. So I would predict that um, if you want to buy yourself a hibachi, there won't be any because I think that they're going to be the next the next big thing. Oh, just buy a second-hand sous vide machine. I'm sure there are lots of sous vides on uh, <laughs> tree right now. Uh, but not a lot of hibachis because that seems to be the um, the tool of choice. And I want well, one. I want one now. Speaking of uh, TV, uh, Normal People is uh, premiering on Stan tonight. So that's, that's going to be my TV time. I don't know how you're going to um, fit any more on your plate. Look, Joe, I think but... what's going to um, what's gonna have to be sacrificed is just sleep. There's not going to be able to sleep. Yeah. And... and and, and on that um, on that point, uh, normal people, we're all very excited about that show hitting, and we're going to be recording a special podcast. Uh, I believe both of you were involved uh, towards the end of the week with this very special podcast, which I'm I'm calling normal people with abnormal people, but I have a feeling that will be the final title when it goes out. Thanks very much, mate. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, so is that time in the thanks podcast? Thanks for running that one past me before you put, before you lump me in that category. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, that time in the podcast where uh, we shout out to an Australian author. Uh, so, who are we shouting out to today, Ben? Uh, we're shouting out to Tara June Winch, who just won a hat trick of prizes at the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards, which was announced digitally last night. Um, Book of the Year, Fiction of the Year, and People's Choice Award um, for her incredible novel, The Yield. Uh, it's a, it's a Big, big achievement, and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled for her. It's a great novel if you haven't read it. 
go and check it out. The Yield, Tara June Lynch. That's a fantastic book, oh. Ben. Love it. Well, Ben and Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. And big thanks to everybody for listening and tuning in. Uh, you can listen to all of our episodes for free right now on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we'll be back at the same time tomorrow with another episode of The Daily Booktopian. Until then, keep reading and please stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.